Let's go. I'm a bulldog. So George What's up, everybody? JetsonTellDogNation.com. Welcome back to another edition of Before the Hedges on DogNation.com. I wanted to say thanks to everybody that's joining us right now on your streaming platform. Maybe that's uh, Facebook. Maybe that's YouTube. Maybe that's even uh, Twitter. Don't know if we've got Twitter rolling back up again, but um, I want to say thank to, thanks to everybody out there. Happy Wednesday night uh, around Dog Nation. First of all, folks, how you doing? What's going on tonight? What's for dinner? Did you guys get by Kroger? Get that click list? Did you pick up some groceries? Um, how was Mother's Day? Everybody doing great? Is anybody trying to think about one of those beach weekends somewhere that everybody's kind of popping up on our timelines right now with beach weekends? Um, we got a dedicated program today. We got a lot of the staples. We got our top targets. We got some tweets of the week. We got a recruit of the week. We're going to take some time uh, building the, uh, the case study for him. We're going to have our Q&A, obviously, in everything. Um, also want to take the time to let everybody know that Before the Hedges, this program right here, folks, is now available on Spotify. It's able on, available on SoundCloud. Maybe recently over the last three or four weeks, it is now available on the Apple podcast platform as well on Apple Podcasts. So if you guys can't stream along with us and you want to uh, you want to listen to Before the Hedges while you're doing some social distancing, some jogging, whether you're on the elliptical, the Peloton, or maybe you're doing uh, what our good friend Bassendog did today. He described some social fish, 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 where he's fishing instead of distancing. Um, whatever you want to now before the hedges can go with you guys as well. Uh, right off the top, I would like to, uh, say that, you know, first of all, hello, Facebook. How's everybody today? Hello, YouTube. How's everybody today? Um, please be sure to get your questions in. Please be sure to maybe be civil when all that trolling shows up on YouTube between Georgia and Florida fans or now Tennessee fans and everything else like that. Um, remember we're all friends here on a Wednesday night. Uh, but the one thing I'm majorly, I wanted to get into today with everybody was, uh, you know, there's a, certainly a, a lull right now over the last couple of weeks there with Georgia and recruiting. I know everybody wants to see those recruitments come rapid fire, uh, maybe like they do on Rocky top recently. But, uh, the thing here is I wanted to, I wanted to kind of, pinpoint five national recruiting storylines that I see are kind of significant and also that have a, a, a tangent or they also affect the University of Georgia. Um, this, this show is obviously dedicated to uh, covering University of Georgia recruiting, the Georgia football program, and those prospects and players that are either trending or on their way to Athens. Um, but nationally, while all this stuff's going on, there's five things that just kind of really um, – jump to the forefront for me, a guy that's been doing this for a minute or so, and to say, this really looks obtuse. This really looks out of the norm or something for you good people to also just pay attention to. Now, the first of those, those we're going to have five, and I'm going to thank my, um, my good buddy, Michael Carvel, back in our Dog Nation uh, Social Distancing Alpharetta Bureau uh, for all his help on these. But our first one I want to bring to mind is uh, – it has to do uh, out, out there on the left coast. That's the West Coast. That would be the USC Trojans. And now, USC is a very interesting story for this recruiting cycle because right now they're rated number five overall in the country, and they have 11 commitments. 
Now, that's something that's impressive in its own right, but they have six commitments right now that are inside the top 200. Now, why is that significant? Why does a Georgia fan need to know about the the real USC uh, and not South Carolina, the SEC East rival? Well, it's pretty simple. Uh, when you, USC is back as a recruiting force, it's going to make it harder and harder for a school like Georgia to go in and pull in some of the some of those elite recruits that they've been able to do in the years past. Jermaine Burton is, is an example, even though he was sort of a transplant. But I'm really thinking of two names. I'm thinking of a guy like Kendall Milton, uh, who Georgia signed out of California in the last class. And I'm also thinking about um, Corey Foreman in the 2021 class, because Georgia, it seems to me that Georgia will end up going head to head with USC uh, for Corey Foreman. And the better that the USC Trojans are going to recruit, uh, the harder it will be for Georgia to pull away a vibrant, strong class to pull a guy like Corey Foreman away from that program. And why is this significant? You know, everybody goes, yada, yada, yada. USC is really used to doing this recruiting stuff. Well, not so fast, my friend. Last year, for example, to see USC in the top five is alarming. It's kind of one of those wow moments for me because last year under Clay Helton, the program was suffering. It was taken on water as a recruiting battleship. They finished number 54 overall in the country in the team, the 24-7 sports team composite recruiting rankings. So when you see USC at number 54 and not even a factor at all nationally or even regionally in the Pac-12 in recruiting, but then you see them back up at number five this year, that certainly adds some momentum to the case as to how USC might be able to turn Corey Foreman's eye away from Clemson initially, and then away from maybe the likes of LSU, Georgia, or Alabama in the long run. So that's something to think about there. Number five, USC uh, is uh, in the mix right there. Uh, Vongence Gilbert, yeah, you're giving me that big what? Well, Vongence, Mr. Gilbert, uh, I think Corey Foreman showed up in our top targets list last week uh, after the decommitment from Clemson. Um, Reminder for everybody out there that there was a time in his recruitment when he was checking out Georgia and Clemson in the same weekend where he was extremely impressed with Georgia. He liked the, what Georgia had done to attract and, and, and get a guy like Nolan Smith in the program. And there was a point, I think there was even a published report, I believe it was on 24-7 Sports, where Corey Foreman said he almost uh, even almost committed to Georgia at one point. Now he's opened up his Clemson commitment. He's taking more visits. He wants to take all of his official visits. And Georgia will certainly get one of those uh whenever the campuses open back up as a green light. So number five is USC because, heck, if USC was strong and it was a recruiting titan a year ago, then perhaps Georgia never even gets to sniff uh, Kendall Milton and maybe a Kendall Milton doesn't even look to coming across the country to play in the SEC. So that's one thing to think about there. Number five, again, guys, we're doing our top five uh, recruiting um, national storylines that Dog Nation kind of needs to pay attention to. And that was number five. I want to say hi to everybody on YouTube as well. You see me right there. I'm pulling up YouTube right there uh, at my laptop that's sitting side saddle. So we're able to uh, communicate with everybody like that. Number four is a school that I think Georgia will eventually have to go head to head with in order to hawk down in order to potentially take over the nation's number one class. And that is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Right now, the Ohio State Buckeyes are having a banner recruiting year. Uh, it can challenge the Florida 2010 class for the greatest uh, recruiting uh, ranking, the greatest recruiting 
team composite rankings on 24-7 sports, the greatest recruiting class in college football history, at least the modern recruiting era. They've got five, four, they've got four five-star commits. If you look at projections and the way things that I'm hearing things may go is they might end up with seven or even eight commitments. They all, they only have 18 signees. I mean, excuse me, 18 commitments in their class at this time. And 13 of those are coming inside the nation's top 150 prospects. That's a great haul right now for Ryan Day and company. Um, and also they have the number one class in the country by some 200, excuse me, with 291 is their current score. They have the number one class in the country by some 44 points over um, both uh, both Tennessee and North Carolina. So really for Georgia to end up with the nation's number one class, uh, they've got to they're going to have to outkick a team like uh, Ohio State at the end. Uh, and this is a year where Ohio State recruiting has one of those 98 mile an hour, uh, 99, 100 mile an hour Randy Johnson fastballs. Uh, the Buckeyes and their program are just really coming with it in this 2021 cycle. So Georgia, who wants to finish number one, maybe a couple of those five star recruits won't end up at Ohio State and Georgia will have to have to um, close out its class with a lot of huge names as well. So, all right, you got two of those. Number five, resurgence of, of USC. Number four, Ohio State is just on a gangbusters tear. Two things to consider right there. Um, now, the third thing, and the, if you, when Michael pulls out uh, the commitment slide, it's sort of self-explanatory. Uh, the thing here is UNC is a real eye-opener and not the University of Tennessee. So it's UNC and not UT. When I look at these schools, it seems like Tennessee is getting all the hype and getting all the momentum and all the buzz, when in actuality, to me, it looks like the North Carolina Tar, Tar Heels are the ones. That's the program, and that's the recruiting effort that's really buzzworthy in my book. Um, I put, a, put together a good sample size to look at them. Look at the UNC commitment rating right now. The average commit is a 91.4, whereas Tennessee's is an 89.7. Uh, look at the number of four-star commits. UNC has 14. Uh, uh, the number of commits total, UNC has 14, and U UT has 21. UT and his 21 commitments ranked number two in the country. Uh, the Tar Heels and their 14 commitments ranked number three in the country. But this is where we go to the, the four stars and the three stars. UNC has 10 out of their 14 commitments are four-star prospects. UT only has seven four-star prospects, and that e that's even with picking up three over this past Mother's Day weekend. So seven out of their 21, only a third of their class is actually uh, a four-star prospect. And then you go to three-star commits. UNC only has four whereas UT has 12. But here's the big thing for me. If everybody wants to know perspective, what's real, what's imaginary, what's kind of fake news or fake buzz, uh, the average class rank for uh, Tennessee over the last two years has been number 11. I think they finished number 10 last year, and they finished number 22 or 23, uh, excuse me, number 13 after that. So the average rank there is about 11 or 12 for um, Tennessee over the last two recruiting cycles. So they're up, up to number two because they've taken a lot of recruits early, taken a lot of commitments early. That's a good, but here's what's better. UNC's average ranking the last two years has been uh, number 25. I think they were number 30 in 2019. They were number 19 in, in 2020. And now this year they're number three. So for me, the real juice, the real school that to me is bringing the heat and really recruiting really well. 
uh, is actually the North Carolina Tar Heels. And why why does a North Carolina Tar Heels surging uh, class mean something to a Georgia fan that's listening in on this program right now? Well, I'll give you two reasons. One of them is Tony Grimes. Tony Grimes is expected to name his top three uh, later this month. Uh, we'll go into that in more detail a little bit later. But I fully expect Georgia and North Carolina to be two of those three. And I think that the chief competition for Georgia for Tony Grimes would be the North Carolina Tar Heels. Something to think about there. Now, number two on our list, uh, something to think about uh, for me. And it's a simple, simple thing. It's where is the state of Alabama right now? It's almost like uh, recruiting by those two flagship schools in the SEC West. It's almost like those two places are closed down like shop, kind of like your favorite Waffle House. Uh, Think about this for a minute. Alabama, of all schools right now, only has four total commits. Alabama has zero five-star commits. Alabama, who recently pulled one of uh, a top target away from the Florida Gators, uh, didn't have a top 75 commit nationally until they picked up a four-star receiver over the last four or five days. Until then, they didn't really have an elite top 75 recruit in their class. That places Alabama number 48 nationally, and it also places them number 10 in the SEC. Mississippi State's ahead of Alabama. Uh, Arkansas is ahead of Alabama. Kentucky is ahead of Alabama. Very interesting there. And then the side note there is look at Auburn. Auburn only has four total commitments as well. That places them number 11 in the SEC. It is certainly different uh, in this reporter's view when you look at those two programs and you see number 10 and the number 11 in the SEC. One's number 48 nationally right now and heading into the middle of May. And uh, neither one of those two programs have a five-star commitment at this time. So that's number two in terms of, you know, kind of if you just joining us right now on Facebook or YouTube, those are the thing. Those are the things right there that stick out to me as the biggest wow uh, things that are going on right now for Georgia fans nationally to keep in touch with and the recruiting buzz and the recruiting national storylines. But first and foremost, the number one thing for me right now, I'm going to call them the Corona commitments. I'm going to call them the COVID-19 commitments. Folks, it is simply staggering about the number of commitments right now um, inside uh, this 2021 class compared to years past. This is some great reporting that's done by a buddy of mine, Bud Elliott, that works for 24-7 Sports. It's a fascinating case study. Look at this right here. As of May May the 6th for the 2021 class, there are currently 627 committed prospects for the 2021 class. Why is that important? Um, We'll look at the, the, the commitments through May 6th. For the 2020 class, only 302 at that same timeline. And then look at the 2019 class, only 243 for that same timestamp right there. If you want to go to 2018 and really spot a trend, only 299 commitments through May the 6th of each of those years for the 2018, the 2019, and the 2020 classes. In this class alone, there are 627. Now, Bud's got a really good story up on 24-7 Sports. One takeaway data point that I want to bring to you, to the ears and eyes of you good people right here, that's even not on that slide, is since the, I will call it, the shroud of the coronavirus came down on America, our ways of life, um, on America, on our ways of life and everything else, um, There have been 424 commitments since March 12th, March 11th, March 13th. There have been 424 commitments 
guys are wondering, I got to get my spot. Uh, recruiters in schools are wondering, we got to lock up our class. We can't go see guys. They can't come see us. They can't come to our team camps this, this summer. They can't they go take official visits this spring. I think it has been a mad dash for commitments right now. Staggering that the amount of there have been 424 commitments uh, in college football, and that's figures that are reported by 24-7 sports. Uh, staggering that that amount of commitments have taken place since everybody kind of started realizing about COVID-19 and uh, having to do something and think something about that. So, you know, why does and the last one there is, you know, why does that make sense? Why does that why does that pertain to a Georgia fan is really I think the Georgia Bulldogs and its staff are doing things the right way. They're only ranked number 17 in the country They're They've only got seven total commitments. That's by far one of the fewer totals in the SEC. They've got that high per player average. I think that's only trails Clemson and Ohio State for the highest per player averages. But they don't see the need to hoard commitments right now or to load up like some people are loading up toilet paper and ground beef and ribeye steaks and um, pork pork tenderloin right now at your favorite meat counter like the meat market at Kroger. Georgia's kind of sitting back realizing that the game is not on right now and they have no, and, and if they don't really like a player, if the player is not already high on their board and wasn't a take, wasn't one they were high on without having to go see, having to go evaluate further, having to see some spring practice, having to see some see them running camp. I think Georgia's doing going about this the right way while all of college football is in this maelstrom and this kind of uh, tidal wave, this this kind of tsunami of everybody taking a look and wondering, hey, man, what's up with this? I got to get my spot. We got to get our slots filled. We don't want to miss out on all these great players. I think with Georgia, what they're doing right there is the very right thing. So, guys, right there, I wanted to build our show today. Uh, we usually have guests. Or we usually have a great interview or whatever. But these were some five national topics that stick out to me that I wanted to give you guys some perspective and kind of conjecture on how things are going nationally and how those national storylines might eventually shape or affect the 2021 recruiting class in Athens. So right there you go. Those are five, five things that stood out to me. Uh, one thing guys, if you're watching, you see the Kroger logo everywhere. I'm actually wearing my Kroger uh, ALS challenge uh, golf, golf shirt right now, folks, there's a lot of things in our lives that have kind of been, um, put on hold that aren't the same as they used to be. One of the great things for me is, uh, through dog nation and our partnerships with the AJC, we got a chance to play in that, uh, Kroger, uh, benefit challenge to, to kind of, kind of take on and wipe out Lou Gehrig's disease in our, in our country, in our world, as we know it. I think last year was the 20th year that the Kroger had held a wonderful golf tournament down there at Eagles Landing in Stockbridge. Lots of sponsors, lots of celebrity guests, former Braves, former Falcons, guys like David Pollock. Great event, sponsored out the hole, sponsored holes out the wazoo. And it's a shame that something great like that, such a strong history of Kroger being a strong partner for the ALS movement in, in the state of Georgia and what they've done for the state of Georgia fighting that disease over the years, couldn't take place. They couldn't have their 20, 21st annual golf tournament their golf challenge and uh, sad that we couldn't be a part of that right now. Uh, also guys, I want you guys to know um, the weekly before the hedges program is brought to you by Kroger. And right now Kroger's pickup services are still going strong. Kroger's free pickup lets you shop online. You can choose a pickup time that's convenient for you. Kroger will carefully pick up your order. We'll pick out your order and bring it to your vehicle when you arrive. 
you guys know a lot about um, ClickList. You know, how's that? You place your order and show up. You, you park into those dedicated parking spots. It's contactless. Uh, they give you, you can use your coupons. They give you your total. You check in, you check out. There's usually a very kind customer service representative, uh, stock clerk, uh, that will be able to assist you with that order. And uh, folks, be nice to those bag boys and stock boys because I used to be one of those guys as well. All right, guys. Uh, let's see what's going on right now. Uh, <laughs> Colby Curry, what's up, man? Uh, Tristan West on YouTube wants to know how long before the rogue recruiters start bringing up Mac Brown's age to stop his momentum. Uh, something to think about there. I think, though, Phil Longo is a guy that might be another long-term successor, the offensive coordinator that they that they brought over from Ole Miss. That's another guy to think about there as well that might be a long-term guy, and he's a good offensive fit for them as well. Uh, Chevron Hanna, how are you doing? Devin Glenn, uh, Tristan West, he says he believes Georgia has some silent commitments that the coaching staff doesn't want to go public yet. Uh, general thoughts about uh, the class and everything as it's coming together. Now, guys, it's a weekly staple. Each week we, we check out our uh, top targets for the Georgia 2021 class. It's part of our program each and every week. Um, and we're going to start this week with a new name at number uh, 13. That is the four-star linebacker, Xavier Sori Jr. Xavier is out of uh, Graceville, Graceville, Florida. Usually seen as a top 61 recruit on the composite Inside linebacker, outside linebacker. Uh, Graceville, Florida. Heck of you see his dunks on his Twitter feed. He's a heck of an athlete. I think he play inside or outside. He's got a very high ceiling. Probably not as accomplished or as instinctive as a football player as a guy like Barrett Carter, who's shown up on this uh, list from time to time, many many weeks. Number twelve, we have a familiar name. That's Dion Colsey. Athens Academy, Athens, Georgia, four-star wide receiver. Another, I think, top 50 overall prospect. He recently decommitted from Notre Dame. The thing to think about Dion is, yes, guys, he is named after Dion Sanders because um, he was born about that time that primetime was in his heyday. But uh, Dion Colsey is a guy that decommitted. got a feel for this guy. He decommitted from Notre Dame so he could kind of reopen his recruiting and see more of what's out there. And yet he hasn't had to do anything. It hasn't had the chance to do anything of the sort as of yet. Uh, little thing called the global pandemic has done something to that. Number 11, Brock Bowers, Napa High School, Napa, California. Uh, I think he's one of the two targets, main targets for Georgia at tight end for this cycle. Um, you look at you look at Brock Bowers. We've written about him a bunch on Dog Nation. I think Georgia made his top six or top eight. I think Georgia will get an official visit. If the official visit season was open right now, I think Georgia would get one of those from uh, Brock Bowers as well. Uh, Maliki Matavao is the other guy out of uh, Las Vegas, Nevada as well. I think Georgia, whether they take one or two tight ends, I think the the choice plum targets for there for Georgia at tight end would be uh, Bowers and Matavao. Those two guys right there. Number 10, uh, this guy's actually down a spot. That's the five-star defensive tackle, Mason Smith of of Huma, Louisiana. Folks, we realize how hard it is to pull a five-star target out of Louisiana. LSU is the team to watch there, but I do think Georgia has some juice in this recruitment. Maybe they can get to number two or number three. I do know that the staff is in constant, kind of have daily contact with uh, Mason Smith, uh, and that's a guy that they're really trying to 
take a visit because Mason Smith has not visited Georgia yet at all. And then that's where maybe any of the magic or miracles might happen for this class in terms of trying to add a name like Mason Smith to the Georgia defensive line. That's a five-star defensive tackle. There is some chatter about Mason Smith and this guy coming in at number nine, Corey Foreman. We mentioned him earlier out of Corona, California. Uh, recent decommit from uh, Clemson. I guess that's about two or three weeks now since Foreman decommitted from uh, from Clemson. Uh, he's a guy you see a lot of chatter. I think the boys have even talked about it. Uh, the young men have even talked about it on Twitter about the thought of them trying to play together. Uh, Corey Foreman, he was the best defensive lineman at the opening last year out in Texas. That's the national opening finals. Even better than guys like Gervon Dexter and Brian Brzee. Uh, Corey Foreman has been to Georgia, it, and Georgia will likely get an official visit with Mason Smith as well. Those two have said that they plan to take a lot of their official visits together. So when that happens, that will be huge recruiting news around uh, Dog Nation. Number eight on our list on our first slide, you have Dylan Fairchild. That's out of coming Georgia. That's West Forsyth High School, state champion wrestler. He went 46-0. and 0. He pinned a dude in about four seconds on his way to the heavyweight championship in Class 7A in the state of Georgia. Family's made up of mostly Georgia and Georgia Tech fans. Georgia made his top six. Uh, he announced, uh, I believe, on May the 8th. It was good to see that, you know, Georgia and the staff has still continued to prioritize Dylan Fairchild. And the dream recruiting offensive line class for Georgia would involve nothing but um, nothing but uh, Georgia boys for the offensive line in the 2021 cycle. Uh, moving on to number seven, that's another Georgia boy out of Peach County. Terrence Ferguson. I think he's a guard tackle type hybrid. Been a very accomplished player for many years out of Fort Valley. Um, very tight with Micah Morris. Very tight with Amarius Mims. You see those guys over the years when they visited Athens. They've been on unofficial visits for uh, games. Those two, three young men have always kind of been together. That's why Terrence Ferguson, an in-state Bulldog from a strong program at Peach County. That's why we have him still at number seven for this week. Number six is Dallas Turner. Now it's St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale. I think he had 15 to 18 sacks last year. Was the Broward County 1A to 5A Defensive Player of the Year for the Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel. Georgia, Alabama, those are probably going to be the two teams that will have to duke it out. We were mentioning Alabama earlier in our top five national storylines to pay attention to. also wanted to include the fact that Dallas Turner and Alabama – It'd probably be Alabama would be the biggest competition for Georgia for Dallas Turner, even though the Gators, Florida Gators are certainly trying. And also uh, Clemson has recently offered him as well. Dallas Turner, you want to talk about that outside linebacker Georgia would get in this class. The top target right there would be Dallas Turner. You're going to see his rankings continue to rise. I think he'd be one of those guys that would have risen considerably if there was a, such a thing as a uh, those opening camps, those Under Armour camps those rival camp rivals camps to see what he can do and he can put his talents on stage. Number five is Smile Munden out of Paulding County in Dallas, Georgia. He's a five-star um, uh, rated as a, uh, it's actually a four-star on our graphic, but he's a five-star. He's an inside linebacker rated as an outside linebacker for 24 seven sports. A uh, lot of chatter about him. I think I've come to the conclusion that he sent out that uh, tweet and got everybody confused that he was going to commit on June the 20th when in actuality it was the month of June. So he plans to commit sometime in June. It looks like the coronavirus and the COVID-19 and those daily calls from recruiters and coaches are starting to weigh on him. He wanted to take a long time to showcase his program to other schools. So if he does come 
opt to make his commitment in June, that would be a change from what he was planning only about two or three months ago in terms of wanting to go until November, December before he made his college decision. Number four is the number one target, I feel, for Georgia at running back for this cycle. That's Donovan Edwards out of West Bloomfield, Michigan. Notre Dame's in the mix now a little bit more because Notre Dame lost on Will Shipley to Clemson. Uh, but for Georgia, it's going to be a battle with Michigan there. Georgia's been recruiting him heavily for the last two seasons, kind of like how Dell McGee was working a year ahead when he was trying to recruit Kendall Milton. He's kind of been doing the same thing with Donovan Edwards. To me, Donovan Edwards looks like that ideal prototype, Todd Munkin type guy, a guy when he's on the field, the defense can't predicate or predict that very likely going to be an inside run, very likely going to be a run. Uh, Donovan Edwards is one of those Alvin Kamara type backs, a guy that can make plays on third and long um, in the passing game as well. Number three, see his name a lot. Seems like he's in with a lot of guys right now in followers season where everybody's chasing their Instagram and Twitter followers. That would be five-star offensive tackle, the Marius Mims out of Bleckley County. Just curious. I want to know how many people on both feeds, whether it would be the uh, Facebook feed or the YouTube feed. I'm going to bounce back and forth to both of you good people. How many people saw the tweet or the Instagram post with him and Brock Vandegrift together in a fishing hole? Um, so I thought that was very interesting to take a look at those two guys uh, hanging out together. It seems like Brock Vandegrift has been recruiting him the hardest for the longest time. Uh, five-star tackle. Uh, now, now, don't get me wrong. Amarius Mims is great. Any other cycle, any other year, he'd probably be maybe number one or two on this list because six-foot-seven-and-a-half tackles that used to play tight end. Uh, that can bench press 360 pounds um, from a good hardworking program like Bleckley County in middle, middle Georgia. Basically, it checks a lot of boxes. Uh, it's just that Georgia did so well in the last cycle with getting some tackles in Broderick Jones and Tate Ratledge uh, that maybe the, the offensive tackle spot, even a true left tackle spot, isn't the priority that it would be in most classes. But even a thinking man like myself has to remember that Georgia – I think Georgia has really only had one true true left tackle in the program over the last three years, or at least an All-American, All-SEC type tackle in one um, Andrew Thomas. I think the second best left tackle in the program over the last two years was probably would, would have probably been Cade Mays. Uh, number two on our list is five-star James Williams. Man, really special football player. I put some of my most um, in-depth or deep thoughts on uh, James Williams on the Dog Nation forum. You guys are reading the, if you guys are not reading the, the hurry up Intel forum thread right there, where I kind of get to the nitty nitty gritty and cut to the chase with some of my thoughts on recruiting. That's all there. I think that thread now has close to 500,000 views on our uh, dognation.com message board forum. Uh, James Williams, I think is an indispensable player for this class. Georgia could, could leave him on the field for three downs. I don't think there's quite uh, more a more impactful high school football player in terms of being a senior right now than James Williams with all the things he could do. Number one, we mentioned him earlier, Tony Grimes out of Virginia Beach, Virginia. I like what this young man stands for. He's got a strong family background. He handles his business on and off the field. He is a uh, person of, that takes uh, great pride in helping and shaping his community that he lives in, does a lot of philanthropy feeding the homeless in his area as well. So just a lot of things to like about Tony Grimes. Oh, and by the way, he is the nation's number one quarterback prospect for the 2021 cycle on 24-7 sports and the composite. I'd be very intriguing if Georgia could take one and two in that on this top targets list this week because then that would mean Georgia would take the number one safety in the class. 
and also the number one cornerback in the class if Georgia can land the commitments of both uh, James Williams and the signatures of James Williams and Tony Grimes. Um, would be very interesting to see what Georgia could do there with that defensive backfield of the future if they could add those two pieces right there. James Williams has a top three. It's been consistent. Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. Uh, Tony Grimes, as we said earlier, will name his top three on May the 31st. Guys, if you're just joining us, we've got another edition of Before the Hedges. We're about maybe right past halftime. The Redcoat Band just got through playing um, on our program for tonight. If you missed the top of this show, uh, we discussed five national recruiting storylines that I think a, a thinking man's dog nation recruiting fan or a thinking ladies dog nation recruiting fan needs to pay attention to for the 2021 cycle and how they will affect Georgia. Uh, guys, right now, I want to roll out one of our features this week. Some weeks you get uh, the six pack. Some week, weeks we crack open a six pack together. Other weeks we crack open uh, uh, tweets of the week. We're going to do tweets of the week this week. Some things that I want to make sure you guys got a chance to uh, hover around and learn about. For all those on our podcast listeners, I'm sorry. This is one of those things where you're going to have to expect my words to be greater than some of that George Lucas CGI. And uh, I'm going to have to kind of paint the picture for you guys with a lot of these tweets. The first one I want to bring to mind is kind of a year later. Folks, can you believe with Tate Ratledge one year ago today, uh, one year ago today, Tate Ratledge at a Darlington school in Rome, Georgia, he committed to the Georgia Bulldogs. Man, I miss going to decision ceremonies. Big man Tate Ratledge had a uh, tweet that he sent out. I believe it was today. Today's the one year anniversary where Tate. I think that was actually a picture that was taken by uh, your intrepid dog nation photographer, that Sintel fella uh, might be throwing. What do you guys think? You think Tate's throwing a little bit, a little bit of shade right there towards Tennessee at all with him picking up the Georgia hat, choosing that picture of him choosing the Georgia hat over the Tennessee hat. Um, Tate Ratledge it has been a year since he committed to Georgia. Very interesting. And he says a whole year ago today, and I couldn't be happier with my decision. That's when Tate Ratledge became a Georgia Bulldog. Another tweet I want to bring, another tweet I want to bring to your guys' mind is we said earlier, Tony Grimes. Tony Grimes, if you look at this edit that was created, um, he has a kind of a half lion, half Tony Grimes picture. Uh, we wrote a story about Tony Grimes on Dog Nation where uh, he was uh, he went and saw a lady, a homeless lady that was. Uh, kind of around the football field that always watched their practices. And one day on their pregame meal, he brought her out a food plate. Uh, that lady started to proceed to call him guts because he had the guts to come out and talk to a homeless lady that was hanging around their football field. Uh, and Tony has made a habit of bringing a food plate to that, to that lady. And one of the things you got to like about Tony Grimes, besides all the stark athleticism and the, the elite DB training he goes through, he's making his top three come out on May 31st. And guys, Nothing to remember, remember is he plans to make his commitment decision on December the 1st. If you had to ask me and we had to bet a, a Coca-Cola on it or we had to bet a beverage on it, I would say that I don't think that uh, Tony Grimes will last until December the 1st before he makes his public uh, commitment uh, to a school. It doesn't seem like it will, it will, he will take uh, that long. Um, our next tweet um, for today for today. We mentioned him earlier in our program. That would be uh, Marius Mims. Couple tweets, c- couple tweets about a Marius Mims to bring to mind. Uh, you've got uh, you see him right there. They're discussing uh, his uh, weightlifting. 
Um, this was his fifth set, I believe. It looks like they're working at a, one of the local gyms. That's not the school gym around Blakely County in Cochrane, Georgia. But there he is with his fifth one rep, one rep set. He's bench pressing 360 pounds. Folks, that's hard to do when you got those really long arms. You got to extend it out further. One of the things that Andrew Thomas couldn't really master really well was he wasn't really great at the bench press because he had such long arms. But you see Marius Mims right now. I think that's probably 50 pounds, maybe, maybe 45 pounds more than his 315 body weight right there. You see him pressing that weight up right there. The second thing I think of a Marius Mims, and it shows what the world is like right now if you're an elite recruit. Amarius Mims sends, shares the tweet that um, he got 34 calls in one day, 34 calls in one day from recruiters. That's what it's like when you're the nation's number two offensive tackle and everybody is that interested in where you're going to go to school and playing for them. Uh, Amarius Mims, uh, 34 tweets in one day. And I think you guys want to see this. Neat little tweet somebody had right there. Willie Mack in the fourth. How many calls? Think about it. Herschel with the jersey. That was a nice, clever, clever barb or clever quip there on social media. The one that really caught my attention was the one from Malik Herring. Malik Herring had a uh, tweet kind of where he clapped back uh, at Marius Mims uh, at the same time. And his thought right there was that there was only one that mattered. I think he called him little homie. And first of all, I think that's a funny little bit right there where Malik Herring is probably 6'5", 6'4 and a half, 275. And yet he's calling uh, he's calling Amarius Mims. Those guys are connected. Middle Georgia, they came from maybe the same part of the same part of the world a little bit. But uh, Amarius Mims is about six seven and a half and three fifteen, and he is the little homie to uh, Malik Herring. I'm surely that's definitely a you know old dog, new dog type thing or potential new dog type thing between the two of them. But Amarius Mims, right there. If you ever wanted to know what it would be like to be an elite college recruit during a global pandemic means you're going to get your phone's going to ring about 34 times during the course of one day. Uh, the next tweet, we talked about this a little bit earlier today. It's sent Smile Munden out of Paulding County. He sent out a tweet. They got everybody scratching their heads and wondering what was that, uh, that about. He'd moved up. It's, it certainly looks like we can presume that he's moved up his timeline considerably. Uh, he's going to be a June 2020 decision, we think. Um, and that's something that to, to pay attention to because he was probably going to make his commitment in the normal timeline as it was relayed to me, probably around uh, late November, early December is what he was planning to do. Smile even told me he wanted to make his commitment late because he wanted to make sure recruiters would come to his games and recruiters would come to his practices. And so he'd be able to shine some exposure on the Paulding County program and also the prospects of his teammates getting a good look and getting some college evaluation and some attention from recruiters as well. Uh, Smile Munden. I think the last tweet, couple tweets we've got uh, is, first of all, this is a uh, defensive tackle out of Gaffney, South Carolina. Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. It's kind of like a cause and effect tweet. Let's show the first one right here where he names his top six. This is a four-star defensive lineman out of Gaffney, South Carolina. He names his top six, and he, uh, he notes that he's trying to uh, – He's formulating that he was likely going to make his commitment the following Saturday. Uh, you see that first tweet come up right there. And uh, here's what happens. Uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins uh, gotten so much attention from recruiters that were basically telling him, whoa, 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 you can't be ready. We want to recruit you. We still got to recruit you. Give us a chance. Come see us first or whatever. And then uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins uh, sent out another tweet uh, 
basically about 12 to 14 hours later where uh, TID said, uh, basically, hold the phone. Not going to make that commitment as of yet. He needs to take more time and evaluate this life-changing decision. Terry Mingo and Dawkins, pretty decent uh, defensive line. If you want to look for a gem that Trey Scott might have found, this guy's about 6'6". He's a former basketball player. Can, he's got some hops. He can levitate. He took a great visit to Georgia prior to the, the COVID-19 shutdown of all college recruiting visits, and that really – I think is helping Georgia a lot right now because he got some relationships established and he got to know the Georgia program, the ins and out, and came away from that uh, recruiting visit very enthused about the thoughts of playing for the University of Georgia as one of his college options. A uh, couple more tweets right now. The one I'm going to bring you to mind is you see Javari, uh, Rit- Javari Ritzy out of uh, North Carolina. Uh, he's established his top five. Georgia's in his top five. You got to look for North Carolina there. We mentioned North Carolina earlier. We were talking about uh, Georgia and fighting battles with some of those top five recruiting storylines in the country. Uh, Javari Ritzy, man, he's an athletic looking specimen. He's about 6'5. He's about um, 270. Uh, he runs track. He runs the 200. He runs the relays. He does the hurdles for his Glen, North Carolina. Uh, high school track team, played some defensive end, very athletic, great film. Uh, had a strong visit to the University of Georgia as well. Now, he's teammates with Rod Ra Dilworth, who is committed to UNC as well. But um, Georgia definitely, I don't know if Georgia's the team to beat. I don't, know if Georgia's, I don't even know if Georgia's the number two team to beat. But I also thought it was very intriguing to see this uh, tweet that was a response tweet or a retweet from Georgia 2020 signee Cameron Kinney out of Collins Hill High School. And if we can bring that up right there, I'm going to try to educate some folks because sometimes even my good buddy B.A. can't speak Twitter or all these acronyms. Um, as most people do, Cameron Kinney had a tweet in response, kind of like Malik Herring. You see a lot of these Georgia signees and, and players currently uh, sending out uh, you know, these kind of cryptic messages. Everybody wants to know what the Da Vinci Code is there. Well, that Cameron Kenny, all he's saying right there is you already know Y-A-K with a handshake, which means Cameron Kenny uh, has basically told him everything he needed to know about the potential of being a Georgia Bulldog there as well. So uh, tweets of the week, tweets that caught our attention, tweets that, you know, I wanted to bring to you good people on a weekly recruiting show live here on Dog Nation Facebook, Dog Nation uh, Twitter, Dog Nation YouTube, brought to you by those good folks at Kroger. those are the things that I think that the dog nation recruiting fans in these trying times, in these delicate times, uh, definitely need to know about everything that's going on. Guys, you got a question, be sure and drop it in there right now. Before I segue to the questions, uh, I want to um, bring up uh, two storylines, two stories that I've re- recently, recently published as an author on dog nation. One of those is uh, thoughts on Dominic Blaylock, uh, In a nutshell, I would think that Dominic Blaylock would be ready to go this fall. Uh, He's just got the history of doing so uh, in his athletic career. I wrote about how he he shattered an ankle, broke his fibula, um, needed surgery from a baseball injury. He had his ankle cut on by some of the surgeons that's done Danny Danny Amendola, uh, uh, Julio Jones, Marcus Mariota, uh, and others. Uh, Steve Smith Sr. was another name. he wasn't supposed to maybe be back in time for maybe until region play for Walton High before his junior year. He came back in about five months, five and a half months, was his old stealth, had a game-changing play, uh, beat an Auburn, future Auburn Tiger signee on a one-on-one play in fourth down, 
had over 100 yards receiving when really it was his first full go and they were just going to try him out and see how he could play. And Dominic Blaylock played like a five-star receiver in that game as a junior. Just kind of one of those athletic freaks who's able to bounce back and heal more than most. Uh, Dominic could have been a, maybe a first, second, third round baseball player if that was his pursuit in life. He's also an incredible golfer. Probably on the average, he's going to shoot anywhere from 78 to 82 as a golfer. He's just different than a lot of us out there, uh, kind of us kind of mere mortals in the way. You hear the word freak mentioned him with a lot and had a pretty good interview. Got to share some comments from his high school coach, Daniel Bruner, as well. And Daniel made it very clear that he'd be willing to bet a set of gassers that uh, Dominic Blaylock will be able to go this fall for the University of Georgia and not only go but make plays and be one of the best players, best receivers on the field for Georgia while he's in there. A second story I wanted to bring, bring to your attention was I wrote recently uh, about um, was Prince Colley. Prince Colley, uh, interesting guy. Folks, you want to talk about Georgia getting slick at the inside linebacker recruiting. Everybody knows what's happening with everybody's kind of read the tea leaves a little bit about what's happening with Barrett Carter. Um, his decision could come sometime later this month. Uh, you hear a lot of Clemson chatter with that. But uh, Prince Colley is out of Johnson City, Tennessee. And folks, you don't see a lot of this stuff often. Prince Colley uh, had 1,085 yards receiving and nine touchdowns and 68 catches as a receiver last fall for his Davy Crockett High Pioneers. Oh, and he played double duty and had, a, had 78 tackles as well. He played outside linebacker. He played some safety. He played some inside linebacker for the final four games of the year. Uh, Prince Colley, six foot two, two oh five. Love that story. He was able to tell me, and we were able to bring to bring to everybody on DogNation.com about he was having a FaceTime with uh, Glenn Schumann, and he was like basically told the co-defensive coordinator of a, a program that's basically averaged a number four overall ranking, final ranking uh, in the final college polls each of the last three seasons. He said, Coach, I need a timeout. And he's like, hold on a second. He, he basically, you know, let me just mimic it out. He basically says, Coach, I'll be right back. Prince Collie comes back and he says, I, sorry, Coach, I had to go help my mom with her groceries. I wanted to make sure I always bring the groceries in for her. And, man, we can only imagine how much that would have impressed a Georgia coach. But, uh, Prince Colley relayed to me that he said that that's one of the things that Georgia likes about him is his character, also the way he attacks the football and plays the game. But one of the things Georgia likes about him the most is just what he represents on and off the field. Besides all that athleticism, folks, if you're watching his tape, there's these plays where he's 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 making he's making he's making plays from a slot receiver position against the cover two. The balls like goes through the outstretched hands of the safety the high safety and he leaps and grabs it and makes the play just beyond the sticks to win games or to decide games. And, and he's making all plays all over the place as an inside linebacker too. There was one game where Prince Colley, uh, they were facing kind of a triple option team like um, Georgia tech or Navy or army has had in the past. And Prince Colley, they lined him up in maybe that Joker formation where, uh, they lined him up in that joker formation where you have two outside linebackers flanked out really wide. You have the you have the inside backer basically seven yards above the center, right over the center. And you just tell that inside backer, you call him the joker in the joker defense. That was kind of, I guess everybody attributes that to Bud Foster of the Virginia Tech program. But 
uh, see ball, attack ball, find ball. And uh, Prince Collie had 18 tackles in that game where he was basically doing what Roquan Smith did a few years back when Georgia had the two blockers up front against Paul Johnson and his triple option. And they had guys just kind of making sure that uh, Roquan Smith would have a clean path to the football. So that's how slick Georgia's getting right now with inside linebacker recruiting. Uh, let me see. Going to catch some uh, questions right now. Dennis Wilson, man, how's everything going on? Uh, Dennis, the quarantine's going, man. I think, uh, I, I, dude, man, one of the best parts of my job is getting out and meeting people and seeing these kids and seeing these young men and telling their stories. And it's not quite of this kind of the same thing doing a lot of this over the phone. I, I just miss seeing the competition about, you know, who that's that guy everybody thinks is the is uh, the salt of the earth or that guy's the hot stuff and then see him kind of defused or maybe not be as dominant in a competitive setting as maybe this other guy that's hanging out in Johnson City, Tennessee, or this other guy that's hanging out in Niceville, Florida. I love finding those guys and seeing when competition kind of pops the hood on what they're all about and checks the oil about what type of player and competitor they really are. That's when you find out about what these young men can be like in college football because they're tested every stinking day when they're on the campus and they're in a program like a Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, Clemson and LSU and so forth. Um, <clears throat> Frederick Meredith uh, makes the point that they feel that Mims is a silent commit. You don't waste the future for face of the franchise's time in a fishing hole. If you're not uh, coming aboard, uh, got a lot of thoughts about here going on. Uh, Frederick wants to know, can't get every elite recruit, but they, Frederick feels, FM feels mis- that they will get Mims, Williams, Grimes, Fairchild, and Munden. Uh, Levi Rushing uh, makes some thoughts about Tennessee and momentum with Schmile Munden. Uh, I'm going to keep my thoughts close to the vest or closer not as close, not as close to the vest as I probably need to, but I would say that I will leave that uh, smile Monday to the volunteers when I see it. Uh, Joe Ford, we did mention tight ends. We have uh, Brock Bowers. I believe Brock Bowers came in at number 11 uh, this week on our top targets for 2020. Joe, Tony, how are you doing today? Uh, Tristan West wants to know, uh, can I mention more DL on our radar, on Georgia's radar, if Georgia does not get Mason Smith, Lee Hunter, Ingram Dawkins, and the guy from Miami? The guy from Miami you're talking about is Leonard Taylor. Uh, Tim Keenan out of Ramsey High in Birmingham is another guy to uh, to look at. Um, for the defensive line. Georgia's already got Marlon Dean. Georgia's already got a commitment from Jonathan Jefferson. Those guys will both play defensive tackle for Georgia. Um, they'd like to add two or three more names. Dawkins is a name. Uh, I think Ritzy is a guy that would potentially play out on the edge. Uh, you've got a guy, uh, you've got a guy like Mason Smith. We mentioned earlier, Leonard Taylor's a guy folks. If you watch his film, I know he's rated as a defensive tackle, but to me, he certainly looks like a, a, an edge player, uh, when you, you think about guys like that, uh, Quentin Somerville is also a name. He's more of a strong side defensive end type as well, even though he can play the Jack linebacker for Georgia. Um, 
I think that would be what Georgia's looking for along the defensive line, at least as far as the elite guys go. We mentioned Keenan. Um, funny how the name Lee Hunter popped up as well. Lee Hunter's a guy that's committed to Auburn, but I think Georgia will be in that deal in the long, for the long run uh, as that goes along. And um, Lee Hunter's also out of Alabama, Blunt High School in Alabama as well. Folks, you remember that that's another name I could have mentioned in the Auburn-Alabama parallels from the top five recruiting storylines. Lee Hunter is only one of one of four commitments right now for the Auburn Tigers. Let me see what everybody's what everybody's got popping on Facebook. Uh, Tom Lavelle wants to know about uh, Tony Grimes. Uh, you know, Tony Grimes is a guy that I still man. I, I I've seen some people have emailed me. Some people are talking on the forum, the Dog Nation message board forum about uh, there's a North Carolina side out there that's reporting that they're hearing that Georgia's not going to make the top three for Tony Grimes. Folks, I'd be very surprised if that happens. Uh, Georgia has been in an enviable position for Tony Grimes for quite some time. I think if the COVID visits were the COVID visits were not uh, if COVID-19 had not stymied all those visits out there, I think Tony Grimes would have taken his official visit to Georgia. That was going to come in June, but I think he would have had two or three more visits to Georgia uh, over this time frame of the last eight or nine months. They have weekly meetings, uh, very strong relationships in place there with uh, Tony Grimes. Tony Jackson, how are you, sir? Good seeing you on the timeline, man. I miss seeing that face from time to time. Uh, uh, let me see. Brian Marcoulier wants to know, Todd Munkins always has a dynamic back in his offense that will be counted on to run and more importantly, be a receiver out of the backfield. Which running back on the roster do I think will be the best fit for his offense? You know, actually it's kind of an, I don't think he's ready, but I think Dejon Edwards brings a lot of the qualities that, uh, you know, the receiver, the pass protector, the guy that can run inside the tackles. Maybe he doesn't have the home run gear that others do. But uh, I think a guy like, uh, you know, Zamir White, if you could put Zamir White and James Cook together, which would probably be sort of like making Steve Rogers the super soldier from the Captain America fame or maybe uh, the six million dollar man. Well, adjusted for today's ratio, maybe the 15 million dollar, the 19 million dollar running back. Uh, if you could take uh, Zamir White's best qualities and match them with James Cook, I think you'd really have the perfect guy for uh, Todd Munkin's offense. Kenny McIntosh, actually, Brian, now that I think of it, I think Kenny McIntosh is probably just as good a, you know, one of those guys that has most of the ingredients that Munkin's looking for as well. Maybe he'd just like him to be a little bit faster and maybe have Zamir White's breakaway speed as well. Guys, let's see. Bear with me. I'm see if I can scroll up and get some more questions. Yeah, Grant David Neely. What I just said, you just kind of echoed me. I, I think I said that at the same time. That's uh, we kind of think alike. I think a lot of people. Uh, I think his skill set is very strong. Uh, Chad Buchanan likes all the talk about running backs. Uh, Greg Schaefer, uh, Niceville, Florida, has Xavier Soaring Jr. Um, Keith Southers, how are you doing? Uh, Cal Folds brings up Nyland Green. 
I still think that one's going to go a long way. I don't think Clemson will be able to close that one down, especially not without a visit. Uh, if they haul Hancock, Carter, and Green, all who spent much time on the top targets list, that will be three head-to-head losses to Clemson. Let me see, Kyle. Let me fact check. Uh, Carter and Green. Uh, Carter has definitely been on top five on my on my top targets list for forever. Green's just kind of been sort of around the number 15, 14, 13 mark. Uh, Hancock, I don't think was ever on my top targets list, or maybe he was one of those also considered, uh, as well, but, you know, Kyle I guess I'll add some perspective here for that, uh, as well. None of these guys are probably going to be as big as losing Andrew Booth uh, a couple of years ago in the 2019, in the 2019 class as well. That's the great defensive back out of Archer high school. Matthew Hall, sir. I hope you're doing well, man. I always think about you a lot. Uh, Want to know about the Newman? I think that I think the offense with Newman uh, will kind of show what Georgia can be, and I think maybe his skill set will make make sure Georgia will be defended better, just because of the threat of that RPO. Now, folks, Newman's not a burner. He's probably a four seven guy, uh, not a four five guy like Fields. He does throw the deep ball with great regularity and accuracy. But I think it's just the threat of him being able to take it and run it, especially in the red zone, that will maybe change the way defenses attack Georgia. But the main thing is the receiver position will be so much different. I think, um, you know, the reason why Jake Fromm wasn't the Jake Fromm, in my opinion, of 2017 and 2018 is because the supporting cast at receiver uh, were definitely not like uh, he, he enjoyed in his first two seasons at Georgia. Okay, Joel Moody, if someone holds my feet to the fire, who's in the two deep at wide receiver? Joel, I'm going to give it to you right now since you're such a good friend of the show. I think uh, I think by October the 1st, if you can give me the October the 1st, or maybe not October the 1st because who knows when this, these teams are going to start playing, but if you can give me by game three or game four, I'm going to say that my top four – the top four will go Pickens as the one. D-Rob is the two. I think Burton and Blaylock will be three and four, and the five would be Kiaris. Maybe maybe bump Kiaris Jackson up a little bit. Maybe throw in some Matt Landers there as well. I think those look like the receivers, and maybe Marcus Roseme would be the top six. So if, you wanted, if I'm going to throw you the names that are going to be in the top six, I would go Pickens, D-Rob, Burton, Blaylock at three and four, four and three, interchangeable there. Uh, Kiaris and Rosamy. Maybe a little bit of Landers there as well. That's who I think will be the top receivers at that point of the season. Randy Hall, man, I certainly hope so with Tommy Bush. He had an injury last year. He had the hernia injury. He was redshirted. Folks don't understand. He's got all the size and the speed, but he came from an offense that only threw the ball about three, four times a game. Uh, it's going to be very hard. It was going to be very hard for him to adjust, even if he was an Under Armour All-American. Let me see if I can scroll up a little bit and catch a lot more, a uh, lot more of your comments. Uh, yeah, Randy Hall. I saw you noticed you noted about Sawyer at three fifteen. That guy is working out like he's trained for the combine this year, and I think he will be a very effective left tackle for Georgia. Um, James Crump wants to know who I think are the best running backs between Edwards, Carroll, and Johnson. I think Edwards is the best running back there. Um, LJ Johnson's a name to think about there as well. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Lavassier Carroll ends up maybe 
more as an athlete type in this class because he can do a lot of things. Kevin Johnson, how are you, man? Hope everything's well. Troy Sadowski, we got Bulldog royalty in the house. Troy, always thank you for jumping on our programs as well. Uh, Troy looks like on the tight end front, George is looking at a six foot seven, 240 pound guy out of Nevada. Uh, he's got family in South Georgia. His dad was stationed at uh, Fort Stewart. His granddad, excuse me, was day stationed in Fort Stewart. He's now at, at Nevada. Uh, George is among his top schools and also a guy out of Napa, California, a six foot three, 200. 40 pound 230 pound football player runs a four or five really fast uh, he, he had some Troy Sadowski like high school numbers uh, he averaged like 27 yards per catch uh, 1400 yards receiving he was a gangbusters threat for his high school out in uh, Napa California the quality competition isn't great but He's a guy that had a touchdown run in a game and an 81-yard kickoff return in a game. He had 100 yards receiving. He played some inside linebacker. Uh, just a really good football player. Joel Moody, I can't, I can't uh, fault a man that thinks Kiaris will be the starter in the slot. Really like that young man and his family. He's just had some bad luck with injuries so far at Georgia. Roy Sanders wants to know about Zirkel handling the pressure of possibly filling Blankenship schools shoes. Well, that's what the scholarship is amount to do to be the kicker, not just the kickoff specialist. I do think uh, Brooks Busey and also Jake Cromarta will be part of the competition with uh, with Jared Zirkel as well. But man, that kid can kick it. He's got a howitzer for it for a leg. Couple more questions. Uh, Chad Buchanan doesn't want me to sleep on McConkie at all. Yeah. If you can tell me McConkie would be about 180, 185 pounds, because I think ideally on Todd Munkin's offense, the receivers would be around 200 pounds. I would think that, uh, I would think that uh, you might have something. Marshall Fleming. Yeah. I like Justin Robinson as well. You know, it's so funny now. I really feel, I really feel to me, it would not surprise me at all if Robinson gets quickly ahead of a guy like, uh, a Tommy Bush and gets quickly ahead of a guy like even a Matt Landers who's been in the program for so long. I want to know what you guys think. You guys are the dog nation people. Uh, you can't say, you can't say who's the one guy in the receiver core that if you could wave a magic wand and make them a playmaker and make them as advertised Let's say make them an all-SEC type player. Who would you love to see in this receiving core come out in the 2020 season and become a 20 and, and become an all-SEC type player? Is it Kiaris? Is it? I bet it's probably Demetrius Robertson. But is it Kiaris? Is it Matt Landers? Is it Tommy Bush? Is it a Burton, a Blaylock, one of those guys already? I don't know if I would use my guess on that one of those two guys because I think those guys will eventually be all-SEC players. Man, good stuff for everybody inside the Facebook uh, Facebook question tonight. Uh, 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 James Crump wants to know, what four linebackers do I think Georgia needs at the end of the 2021 cycle? Uh, I'm going to say, uh, well, the need would probably include a guy like Barrett Carter. Uh, need slash get, I would say the names to look at there are Elijah Judy. He's already in, this, in, in the class. Uh, Xavier Sori, uh, Dallas Turner, and 
you know, maybe the smile Munden is obviously the four. Be interesting if Georgia takes a five. Is that uh, if, if they go two outside, two inside? Name Chas Chambliss always comes up. I think he can play for Georgia. I think Georgia is a name to know there. If I ever went to twenty names or even eighteen names, seventeen, sixteen names for my top tar- top targets, Chas Chambliss would be in there um, kind of routinely. Got people uh, weighing in on that topic, the instant topic of tonight. Uh, uh, Josh Harris wants to automatically, if he could see any Bulldog receiver become an all-SEC player. Josh Harris says Bush or Landers. Greg Schaefer says Bush or Landers. Chad Buchanan says D-Rob, if he could make a guy an all-SEC player. Kenneth Wiggins says D-Rob. Kyle Folds says D-Rom. Uh, Joel Moody wants to think greedy, and he wants to eat greedy. He wants to make one of those freshmen an all-SEC player. Mark Saunders. Oh, Eric Emmett. Nice question. Nice response there, Mr. Double E. Eric's got uh, Darnell Washington as well. Matt Landers coming up. Tommy Bush. Landers. Lots of people weighing in. Folks, that reminds me, uh, Eric, I've got to write something good about uh, Kobe Dean soon, but also Darnell Washington good. I've got kind of that. Somebody kidded with me on the Dog Nation forum. I've kind of got one of those, uh, you know, uh, emergency funds worth of storylines and stories I still need to write uh, before the season and everything else like that. All right, guys, Jeff Sintel here for dog nation. Wanted to thank everybody at Kroger, uh, you know, mentioned earlier in the program. I want to make sure everybody gets a good look at this, this shirt right there. It kind of means something to me because I think Kroger does a lot of great work for uh, ALS and Lou Gehrig's disease. I actually still wear um, a band from the ALS challenge as well on my wrist. Cause I just, believe in the work and that you just can't be imp- help but be impressed what Kroger has done over the years in terms of giving and creating awareness and raising money to fight Lou Gehrig's disease in the state of Georgia. Uh, just really good work. Some of, you know, the good work, stewardship work, some of God's work uh, to do and to help uh, be a good corporate citizen and fight something that affects every family or can potentially affect every family in Georgia. I gave you guys the top five recruiting storylines nationally I got that you guys needed to kind of lend an ear to or pay attention to because all those five storylines, USC's resurgence, Ohio State's potentially record class at number one, uh, UT and UNC, excuse me, and not UNC. That's where the real recruiting momentum, I think, in my mind's eye looks for the 2021 cycle. Uh, Tar Heels, not Rocky Top. Uh, number two was Alabama, man, Auburn and Alabama. We have four commitments each. That's number 10 and then number 11, the SEC. And then the big one for me was the COVID-19 commitments. There've been 424 commitments since, uh, March 11th, 12th, 13th. There's some good reporting done there by Bud Elliott of 24 seven sports about how the number of commitments right now through May the 6th of, for the 2021 class is more than the total amount of the 2019 and the 2020 classes put together. That's how crazy some of this recruiting is getting right now. And I certainly feel it will lead to decommitments, Bill, uh, when, everything's, when everything comes back to normal and guys can get evaluated. Um, one more time, guys, Kroger. You know, Kroger's free pickup uh, lets you shop online and choose a pickup time that's convenient for you. Kroger will carefully pick your order and bring it out to your vehicle when you arrive. And for Michael Carvel, way back in the Dog Nation Mobile Bureau, I want to say thanks to him for all his good work helping put all those slides together. Everybody give a thumbs up or a shout out to Michael, Uh, maybe an attaboy Michael on the comment streams because I know uh, 
for me and all the Dog Nation team, Connor Riley, Brandon Adams, Mike Griffith, we can probably not thank uh, probably thank Michael enough for all the work he does for us behind the scenes to make uh, these programs look so polished and so crisp and so crystal clear. Um, but anyway, guys, Jeff Sintel, man, it's been another great time on before the, before the Hedges with you guys. Thanks to everybody on Facebook. Thanks to everybody on YouTube. Uh, I want everybody to know, guys, remember, Before the Hedges is now on podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on SoundCloud. It's on the Apple Podcast podcast platform as well. It's been another great Wednesday night talking Georgia football, Georgia recruiting. Hopefully I got a lot of your questions answered, and hopefully you had another good time hanging out with everybody here on Dog Nation tonight. Until next time, until we see you guys again on the pages of dognation.com, I'm Jeff Sintel. Have yourself a great night. Stay safe go. and stay I'm together out there, everybody. So Georgia, who won't pick it? I love the family atmosphere and the way they handle business. Education is important. Trying to reach the next level. I want the best in life. I never settle. 